We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Timeline is a Blue Wire podcast. Welcome to the Timeline of Phoenix Suns Podcast. My name is Mike, here with Sam. How you doing, Sam? What's going on, man? I'm doing pretty well, uh, all things considered. Uh, I yeah. think this is probably not going to be the happiest we sound like all season long, <laughs> hopefully on an episode that we were just talking about, like, what's the hook here? The hook is probably the Suns are kind of bad right now and what's wrong with them. Yeah. Um, however... Coming off a win. What do you mean? They just won. Yeah. Coming off a win against the Washington <laughs> Wizards. I told people I warned them in advance yesterday. I said, I'm seeing a movie at that time. I'm making sure I'm in a, a, a theater uh, while the Suns are playing the Wizards so that I didn't have to deal with the potential fallout. Thank God that they scraped by in that victory. And then tomorrow. Yeah, did you you watch the fourth quarter, I think, live? No. Right? No, I didn't. No, you not even that. Okay. Because I got out. I had to drive home, first of all. I got out of Boy in the Hair and the Miyazaki film. It's good, by the way, for anyone still on the fence about seeing it. It's probably his last film. But I got out. Suns are down like 11. It's the maybe very beginning of the fourth quarter or something. I can't remember. Maybe the end of the third. And I was like, you know what? I checked the box score a bunch of times. I saw when they went up. I was like, I'm not doing this. I'm not I'm not doing this to myself. No matter what happens, I knew I was going to be watching the game in full because we have the podcast. Like I was going to be watching the game the next morning, but I just my heart couldn't take it in that particular moment. And I did I just didn't want to go online. I didn't want to see the discourse. I didn't want to deal with any of that in the moment. They pulled it out. It worked out. Yeah. We are two yeah. games above 500 again. We play the Portland Trailblazers tomorrow, so hopefully they can pull that one out as well. Here's the plug for we will be doing that game. If you're catching this early enough that you listen to this pod in the first 24 hours after its release, we're doing the Portland game Tuesday on playback. So join us on playback. But yeah, it's um, obviously uh, th- there's a lot of like negative stuff that we could talk about this week if, if that's the direction you want to go. Well, I mean, I think the biggest thing is since the last time we recorded, uh, Bradley Beal landed on a foot and is out for at least two weeks. Right. Um, and, and that I think is the biggest thing and it sucks. It's, this is the conversation that we've had, uh, time and time again, it feels like, and, um, they were starting to look good. Uh, you know, all of them playing together, it was starting to make sense. You know, the Brooklyn game, notwithstanding where they did end up losing, but it was the first time that those three players had even played together. And it already looked pretty good in that game, but you come back to the New York Knicks game where, of course, Jalen Brunson turned into the greatest player of all time. Uh, But they were running different stuff. Bradley Beal looked like he was getting his feet wet a little bit more. Devin Booker looked a little more comfortable with him on the floor, and then it all came crashing down. You know, since then, of course, the Washington Wizards game, which I think is funny because, yes, it it is a win. And I'm happy to get a win in any way. I reminded people recently that in the 64 win season, there was a lot of ugly ones, too. In order to have a good season you got to win the ugly ones too. And and they've lost a few of the ugly ones this season. So I'm grateful they won, even though they should have beat that team a lot more convincingly. Uh, But, you know, 
I was thinking about it today and part of me feels like as deflated as Suns fans felt, I do sometimes wonder what the players felt like. Like they were all really excited, of course, for Bradley Beal to play too. And it, it must be deflating for them as well. And for them to kind of find a way to break out and win in that game, I was well, I was grateful for. But it is sort of, you know, at this point of the season, it's a point where you have to look and say, even without Brad, should they be this bad? Is mm-hmm. the question I think that we're all asking. And yeah, I don't know. I, I you know, I, I, there's there's thoughts that I have on it. It just feels like they should be better than they're playing right now. And I, and I understand how anyone would feel that way. Yeah, and and we see it. In spurts, we, we see them come together and we see certain guys like string together several good games in a row. Or, you know, we've been praising Yusuf Nurkic on this pod recently. He continues to play really well, I think. But the blame could kind of, this is the unfortunate thing here. Like, I, on the one hand, I don't necessarily want this episode to become just the blame game because I think that's kind of what the fans maybe want us to do. If you look yeah. at the discourse online right now, it's this is Vogel's fault. This is Booker's fault. This is Katie's fault. This is I've seen this is Matt Ishbia's fault. I don't know how this is Matt Ishbia's <laughs> fault. I guess unless you're connecting it to he shouldn't have made the KD trade in the first place. But it's a little it, it just kind of falls on everyone. You know, I don't think there's one thing that they're doing wrong consistently every game. Uh it's just there there's a a bunch of different weaknesses. Uh, that are just cropping up for this team at the wrong times. The funny thing about that Washington game too, like you talk about how do the players feel being down to that team. It wasn't even Jordan Poole and Kyle Kuzma who were playing well against you. And so it's even more deflating when you're down 12 in the third quarter and here's Jordan Poole with his phantom turnovers, like, you know, five seconds after he flops on a play and like, (laughs) he's the one he's, he's like five for 15 and he's talking shit to you. Like, he's chatting <laughs> that game, which is crazy. Tyus Jones and Daniel Gafford, like, carried that team for the first three quarters. And, and again, luckily, we were able to pull it out. But how the mighty fall. Yeah. I, the, one of the first things I was thinking while watching that game is, you're going to love this, uh, Josh Kogi really is missed right now. <laughs> because, Damn straight. Damn straight. Uh, as as frustrating as, as he can make the offense at times, there's just the fact that Jalen Brunson and and Tyus Jones, I think, went off against the Suns on back-to-back games without Josh Okogie, probably not a coincidence, right? You know, the fact that they're just struggling to deal with smaller guards who can use screens well and uh, and, and find ways to get open. You know, if, you, if you're unable to really get around that screen and fight through it, then guys like that who are smaller and are really good at moving laterally are going to find ways to get open. And look... Someone like Jalen Brunson, he's not ever going to do what he did against the Suns again, making nine threes in a game without missing. Um, so sometimes it's just you're on the bad end of, of really bad luck. But there's also defensive concerns that come with it. There are a lot of those to start the game were wide open, and then when he felt good, he was taking some of the more contested ones, and then that's what ended up with him hitting those nine threes. And it was yeah. the same with Tyus Jones, who's not a good three-point shooter normally. In fact, you could make the case that Jalen Brunson isn't either. Um, but when you're open, when you're that open on those, even if you you sort of the defensive game plan is sort of to let these guys shoot the occasional three, it needs to be contested. It can't be just left wide open. And that's I give credit to Josh Kogi for constantly fighting through things. And, you know, you think about if you want to talk about blame and I know it's unfair to do it. I think it's tough I to. To just say Frank Vogel, and I think we can have a Frank Vogel conversation in a bit, but it I struggle to do that often when these, the team has been so in flux because of injuries throughout the season. It's hard for me to blame a coach in that situation. When I, I'm watching and these players are making major mistakes defensively, There, how many times this season have we seen the ball just sort of dribble out to a perimeter shooter and there's just no attempt to close out on them at all, even yeah. if the closeout would be far away? Again... It's hard because it's nuanced. I think there are ways in which you can do it in a matter that criticizes vocal, and there are ways you can't. When you look at the defense, a lot of the transition defensive stuff is effort, and it pisses me off. This is where I think some of the blame falls on KD and Booker. Yeah, um, especially Booker has had a, a lot of instances just watching or complaining or whatever, not getting back, and then you know it, it turns into a five-on-four transition opportunity, and that's just easy points. The half-court defense, which I think we've mostly praised as being like all right for the Suns this season, 
even there, like the reason Brunson killed us, I, 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 there were a number of reasons, but one of the main reasons of the second half, the Suns miscommunicating switches consistently, allowing him to have open shots that he should not have had. And is that a personnel issue? Is that like the Suns have bad defenders? Or is that an instance of maybe Vogel does need to find ways to simplify the scheme? Because I think the overall MO of Frank Vogel coming into the season has actually been the Suns have a pretty complicated, versatile defense. That's that's what they right. want to do. They want to switch right. up how they play defense on you from possession to possession to throw you off your rhythm to make you think. I think that's a good thing. But we're 25 games into the season now. And granted, we haven't had any continuity because of the health. And, and I know these. Yeah. there's a lot of guys who haven't logged a lot of minutes together that are being thrown into important game time situations. But like you can't you can't do what they did against Brunson the other night against New York. You can't yeah. it, like you can't blow your coverage. You got to know if you're switching or not. And the amount of times that they didn't know that a third of the way through the season is it, that's a major issue and I think a lot of that does fall on Vogel. That needs to be communica- communicated clearly uh in in the locker room to to prep them or in the film room to prep them before the next game. Yeah, I. But I do think if you're talking about particularly the two leaders on the team right now in Devin Booker and Kevin Durant, I I would say neither of them are playing defense at the level that even they played last year. Like they both are capable of playing better. Um, now we've mentioned the stats, the on-off stats for Devin Booker defensively are good for this team. And I, I'm not a, not surprised by that, but I do think there's some just effort mistakes that. When when the star players are making effort mistakes, it just everyone's impacted by that. Everyone sees it. it. It affects everyone on the team. And you just don't want them to make those types of mistakes. And those are the types of mistakes I think that you can't really blame on a coach. You know, like when I say the ball dribbling out to a three-point shooter and nobody tries to contest it all. Frank Vogel's not telling him to not no, contest that's, those threes. Yeah, it's not you know? a Vogel thing. He wants that's him not. to contest those threes. Or if the rotation is slightly late on the KD weak side rim defense, um, you know, that's something that he has to be great at in order for this team to be good. Now, there could be adjustments made in personnel, the guys who are playing to help mitigate those types of mistakes, playing more high effort guys. Like now, uh, like I said, I appreciate what Josh Kogi did, but if you want to play a little bigger, like when we saw it in the first game with the big three back when they were playing against the Brooklyn Nets. They started Chemezi Metu with them. They're playing bigger in that scenario now that Bradley Beal's back. Two screeners, but also multiple guys that can help at the rim defensively, Yes, um, including KD and Metu. Especially, yeah, especially when you're consistently having Nurkic come out and hedge and play at the level of the screen, and he's occupied suddenly with a guard. Now you, have, you need a, a tall person tagging the roller so that you don't get abused at the rim and and that's where a guy like Chemezi can help or theoretically a guy like KD versus you know Grayson Allen <laughs> if he's your fifth starter or whatever and and but the other thing is too you're talking about mistakes on switches and stuff like that 10 guys on this team have started this year 10 guys there's been a bunch of different starting lineups for this team I believe 13 total if they're going to have to 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 do some more complex switching, there's going to have to be some level of continuity to get better at that. It's really difficult to play with different guys constantly and have the kind of rhythm that it takes to play good switching defense. So let me talk about this, and I'll ask you this. Uh, they started Nasir Little in the last game against the uh, Washington Wizards with Grayson Allen. Um and then the other three guys that have started every game that they're healthy, Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, Yusuf Nurkic. What do you think they should do in this two-week stretch without Bradley Beal <laughs> as far as, let's just start with the starting lineup. Well, who should they start? Yeah, um, not Nasir Little. Um, no offense to him. I just he's yeah. He has not had a good performance in a little while now. But we know it can't be KBD either. He's started some games this year. We know Josh is hurt. Uh, we know it can't be Utah. Honestly, man, I, I, my outside-the-box pick here, who do you think I'm going to say? Metu. No, it's not Metu. It's actually <laughs> okay. my my kind of... I mean, I like Metu, and I like the fact that he's getting minutes. Um, I think his effort, to be honest with you, has been a little bit up and down sometimes, too. Yeah, I would like is. him to run. He's so athletic. 
I would like him to run the floor a little bit harder on offense. I think he could get some points that way. And he occasionally um, just makes some real brain dead decisions. Just oh yeah, and and he goes uh, once once a game he goes for a highlight real play that would be so sick if it actually worked. But like like there was that one awesome pass he made uh, in a short roll situation or or something to a cutter. I can't remember who it was to, and that was like the yes. one time it worked. Eubanks to Eubanks. But every other time he's gone for a flashy pass or a flashy dribble move, it has not worked. So he needs to yeah, simplify his yeah. game a little bit. Um, but no, not him. I, I mean, dude, just play Jordan Goodwin 30 minutes. I tweeted this the other day. Like, yeah, just just what would happen? What's the worst thing that could happen if Jordan Goodwin was just your starting small forward and you made him Bruce Brown? Nah, just have totally him screen, have him screen all the time. He rebounds better than than these other guys we're talking about anyway. He rebounds easily as well as Nasir Little. You know, will you run into trouble when you play big forwards? Yes. So maybe you need to reevaluate that a little bit. But, you know, some of these recent games we've had, like he's he would take the Brunson assignment. He would take the I guess there's no one on <laughs> there's there's no one um like on the Wizards, who's really comparable? Like, I guess he could take the Tyus Jones yeah. assignment. Not that that should yeah. be that dangerous for you on a regular. He probably start on Jordan Poole night. and then switch onto Tyus Jones once Tyus Jones gets going. Yeah, I, I, it's hard because Goodwin's kind of in. I don't even know if you'd call it a shooting slump. I mean, he's just not a good shooter. Yeah, but he's the best guy who can approximate what a Kogi brings to your starting lineup with that point of attack defense right now. And and I don't know, man. Maybe just lean into the guy who actually hustles and gives a shit every possession. And he rebounds better than your for, so-called forwards anyway. So, like, how bad could it get, really, is is my question to you. How how it's, bad could that be if you just started Booker, Grayson Allen, and Jordan Goodwin all together? I'm not even sure those guys have played a minute, any minutes together. <laughs> yeah, that group. Um, yeah, I don't think they have. I'm looking at the lineup sets. They haven't played yet at all, and I know why. You know, it's it's because they're still treating Goodwin like he's a point guard. <laughs> and he's not. And in the scenario that you're describing, you can use Eric Gordon as the backup point guard and you can stop treating Goodwin like he is a point guard because he's just, I don't think he is. I, I don't think he plays like one. He doesn't have the scoring skills to play like one. He doesn't really have the dribbling skills. I know that on this team, you take what you can get, uh, but the <laughs> passing's not there either. It's not, There's just no creation uh, so that's the combination of dribbling and passing for him. So using him more like a forward makes a little bit more sense. He's just really small. I think that makes a lot of sense. I'm, I'm, and you know, it's it's basically saying, okay, we're we're gonna do what we were doing with Josh Okoge, um, but instead of using um, Josh Okoge, we're gonna use Jordan Goodwin because Jordan Goodwin is more uh, capable when he catches it in the middle of the floor, potentially. Um, and that makes a lot of sense. I understand that. You know, the the number one lineup with Devin Booker so far this season, the, the lineup that has played the most minutes since Devin Booker has come back and has played games is Kevin Durant, Eric Gordon, Yusuf Nurkic, Devin Booker, and Grayson Allen. The five the best all, Suns players. The all offense lineup. Yeah, the five best Suns players that are on the team right now, essentially, until Bradley Beal gets back. That lineup currently has an offensive rating of 126 and a defensive rating of 102.9. Overall, the net rating is 23.7. This is in 101 minutes, so not a ton of minutes, but also not a small amount of minutes, considering like the big three has played together 24 minutes. So it's you know four times that. Um, and I, to me, I think that you will obviously run into issues where there will be teams that match up with this lineup size-wise that will make it difficult. Um, but the amount of spacing that's available for Devin Booker and Kevin Durant in those lineups, the amount of spacing that's available for Yusuf Nurkic and his passes in that lineup is to me enough to say we know for sure, for sure, that these five guys are going to play an important part in whatever this team is for the rest of the season. Let's get as much time as possible with them on the court together so that we have some sort of lineup to fall back on whenever this team needs to make plays. And look, Nurk, or I'm sorry, Gordon and Grayson, Eric Gordon, Grayson Allen, are they great defenders? No. But are they dumb defenders? Also, no, not really. <laughs> like, neither of them are stupid at times in that they'll play smart enough 
to make enough plays to give you a chance in these games, even if they are outmatched size-wise. Will it be frustrating for rebounds? Yeah, probably pretty frustrating for rebounds. But the stats are there in that it's still been pretty good this year. And, you know, they're shooting really well with that lineup. They're playing um, good defense with that lineup so far this season. And I think you got to give them a chance to play together because you know for sure that they're going to be players that are going to be playing together a lot as the season goes together. Yeah. Um, So, yeah. For continuity's sake, it makes sense. Statistically, it makes sense. So, like, I'm not going to argue against it. I think it's the traditional move. I I think, you know, you made a good case for it. Um, my my point is, again, just to just to throw in Goodwin there, really to approximate what Akogi was already doing for you, under the assumption that maybe the ultimate starting five that you play in the playoffs is going to look a little bit more balanced like that and a little bit less like, let's just lean all the way in on offense. But, but yeah, I, yeah. I, I think you could go either way. Either way... Nasir Little, it doesn't appear, is the answer. Um, I wish he was. I wish he was shooting it a little bit better from three. I wish he had a little bit more off the bounce in terms of how he could create for others. He he can definitely dunk, uh, you know, like straight line drives. He can, he can do that. Um, but his point of attack defense just has not been there either. He He's not, like, really making any opposing offensive players uncomfortable in the way that I was hoping uh, on the defensive end. Like, he's athletic, but he's just not taking any way... Um, he's not he's not taking away the airspace of anyone. So right. you have to make another change. I do think that when Beal is back, then at that point, I, I would actually consider Jordan Goodwin a little bit more because the amount of offensive firepower you have moving towards the basket and dribbling, I think you can get away with Jordan Goodwin a little bit more. Um, I did find that... Kevin Durant, Yusuf Nurkic, Devin Booker, Grayson Allen, Jordan Goodwin have played one minute, one minute <laughs> this season together. They have an offensive rating. It doesn't of, matter. Of, of 200. Okay. <laughs> a defensive rating of zero. Um. So, yeah, there you go, Sam. I think you're probably right based on I win. stats. I win. That's a two, it's a plus 200 net rating. I mean, that's as good as it gets. You can't really argue with those stats. Um, but yeah, you know, the starting lineup is the first thing that they got to figure out because they have two weeks and look, maybe that's going to be a problem. They, they just released the injury report for tomorrow and Grayson Allen is now on back on the injury report. Is that, is that as of while we're recording (laughs) this? Like, like, yeah, like half an hour ago maybe. And it's, he's probable. He's probable. Okay. All right. Um, so he, he, it looks like he's going to play, um, but he is listed, um, with a right hamstring soreness okay. um josh kogi by the way josh kogi is still out worried about a kogi a little kogi. bit too because that's that's a hip injury right yes i mean um you're you, here you are praising him as you should for his mm-hmm. ability to navigate around screens but coming back from a hip injury that's that's like a really hard thing to do he might be moving around gingerly for a bit so yeah it's, um uh, makes you appreciate what he brings even more i, I did see gerald asked about him in the last game, uh, and uh, or in the Knicks game, I should say, and he said, Frank Vogel said he doesn't think it's a long-term thing. It's a muscle or hip thing, so he doesn't think it's serious. So, you know, it's tough with the Suns because you never really know. It's nice that they're giving real timelines for Bradley Beal now, at the very least, for those you know Suns fans that are trying to buy tickets to games. Um, I don't think there's a lot of people buying tickets for Josh Kogi, so maybe it's okay for them to be a little more... <laughs> That's it's funny. okay for them to be a little more cagey I with am. his current injury status, but uh, yeah. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture-themed trophies for six basketball-related activities. Trophies like the Dominic Toretto I Live My Life a Quarter Mile at a Time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. So the Suns did sign a player that can solve everything. Yeah, we Pick haven't even mentioned his name. Way. What if what if this is our secret fifth starter? It's this true. entire time. Teo Maladon. Do you have any thoughts on Teo? Um he so I, I immediately went to go relive the experience on YouTube of him dropping his <laughs> uh career high on the Suns a couple of years back when he was on the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um he is a guy, obviously a guard out of France. Yeah. Fourth season in the NBA was just waived by the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, listed as a point guard, but is 6'4 with a lot of length. He's He has like a 6'9", 6'10 wingspan. A James yeah. Jones type of player, you could say. Uh, he's had a very bad NBA career. 37% yeah. uh, field goal shooting for his career. 31% three-point shooting for his career. Good assist to turnover ratio. I will give him credit for that. Yeah, but um, uh, yeah, not not really the guy that I'm expecting to come in here and save us. This is for our third two way spot. You said right? Mm-hmm. Yes, That's, I didn't you, mention that, but yes, yeah. But just to to make it clear to the people, so you know, the Suns obviously have no G League team. So even though it's a two way spot, this is just for him to hang out with the NBA organization, play in practice, use, play in yeah. practice, use our facilities. And some people even just mentioned to me we were just streaming on playback a a, a little bit ago before we hopped on here. Uh, someone was just mentioning that he might just, you know, might just be a body for practice. And that could be totally true. That could totally be the case. Bradley Beal's injured again. They need another guard for practice. But maybe we'll see him at some point. Conceptually, uh, a long, stringy kind of guard who can defend multiple positions, I, I guess, and sort of pass the ball. Like, it makes sense. I just wish he had more offensive pop to him outside of the one time he dropped 30 on the Suns. <laughs> he, he's so. really young. He's only 22. Yeah, he's still only 22, and this is his fourth season in the NBA. Yeah, so, you know, the, at the very least for the Suns, if you're going to take a swing on a player, it's good to sort of take a swing on a young player, and then maybe you can figure him out, and then they can become part of the rotation. Maybe even, like, next year or two years from now if they spend some time with um, the organization, but... You know, like you said, he's a point guard, but not really because he can't really shoot, can't really score. He's 6'4", 175, could potentially, uh, yeah, probably just more of a practice body at this point. I'd be surprised if we see him play any minutes. You know, Saban Lee hasn't played any minutes. Azubuke hasn't played any minutes. So I can't imagine Maladon as a two-way player will be playing a lot of minutes for Never this know. team. Yeah. Never know. Could be Kobe White. Is uh, we were just watching that Bulls game. Kobe White's bre- breaking out for the Bulls right now. He's averaging twenty five points per game over the last few weeks. Just totally running the show there in Chicago as they start to win games again. Maybe we'll have a a, a little bit of luck with our two way signing. I, I guess I shouldn't compare them as if they're the same level of player because <laughs> yeah. Kobe White, even like when everyone was down on him, was like still like a bench rotation player. He wasn't like out of the league like Maladon is. But um, I consulted. French Twitter, French basketball Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a Charlotte Hornets French fan replied to me saying yeah. that Maladone is, and you know, I kind of expected them to be a little bit like more chauvinistic. You know, he's yeah. their he's yeah. their countryman. You know, like maybe they would yeah. be, you know, 
But but French people are pretty critical, and he said Maladon is a bad shooter, negative defender, athleticless player, lack of handle and driving. A good passing game, but unusable. So there's there's your brutal. Uh, there's your review from <laughs> brutal from uh, a French person. On well, what to be Teo fair, Maladon I mean, being bring. a good passing player on Charlotte means less than if you're surrounded by good offensive players, which the Suns could potentially do in some lineups. So, um, I, you know, I, he's probably not going to get any minutes unless the Suns are really injured or really ahead in, or really behind in a game. But yeah, maybe we'll, we'll get to see him play a little bit more in the future. Now I mentioned earlier, we're going to have a Frank Vogel conversation. There's just a lot of talk, a lot of talk about Frank Vogel. And, you know, we've, we've talked about what we think is part of the problems or things that could be fixed Based on, and I know this is a flawed way to look at it, but based on our expectations or what we expected out of this team, do you think he's failing so oh, far? God. It's ah, it's so hard to judge, man. Do I think he's failing? Yeah. No. Yeah. Do I think, I guess, by definition, that means he's passing. But he's passing with like a C plus. <laughs> you know, yeah. like he's not, he's obviously not passing with flying colors. Um, I will say, I you know, I think a lot of the, criticisms that you see levied towards coaches online just when you look or like just kind of because people are mad but they don't know exactly what to be mad about so they just start saying things like you know you 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 see it online when people are like well I didn't like his rotations if you think about it there's 12 players in an NBA rotation who might play on any given night like 15 players technically who could play the number of potential combinations there for a coach to use that like you might offend so, like no matter what you do you're going to offend someone out there <laughs> they're going to think that that was the wrong choice yeah. so i tend right. to think well, what if, if you lose yes and on top of that the suns have had so little continuity and vogel's hand has been so forced to just like throw a dart at a board and like you know plug random guys in like it it just doesn't feel like there's a right choice for him in terms of rotations right now so if you're if you're like go-to criticism is about well i don't like his rotations i don't really know that i read anything into that let's wait until bradley beal is finally healthy i know maybe it'll never happen but if it does well, happen that should that should clear up quite a bit well i'll say this if you want to talk about know, x's and o's i think it's a little bit different but even there it's it's still difficult to judge yeah yeah, well, I think a lot of what they're running offensively makes a lot of sense, and they're doing some smart things offensively, especially for the the guys they have, because you can see, if you pay close attention, you can see how it changes based on the guys that are in the on the court. Um, for example, Bradley Beal came back. They were running different plays immediately now that Bradley Beal was back. The second game Bradley Beal plays, I know it's only five minutes, but there were a couple new actions in that game as well. All of when all of uh, those actions made a lot of sense, including the play, by the way, that he was injured on, which I loved. A handoff play where he just shot behind the handoff because they refused to shoot the gap at all. And he's just the kind of player that can do that. So offensively, it makes sense. I, I do think it's frustrating to have a, a defensive coach who is just not getting the most out of these guys defensively so far. I actually think Nurkic is playing pretty good defense especially for what his skill set is i think nurkic might be playing the best defense of his life i'm i'm yeah. honestly not sure i didn't watch him enough in his younger days in portland but he's but, really but the impressed team me. overall oh is yeah. not is not really um gelling defensively in the way that you would want him to so if you're trying to if you're trying to point fingers i guess that would be one that you could do it's just you know you're talking about waiting to see when they're fully healthy if anyone out there is thinking he's going to be fired no, With, no, no. Without no, a no. chance to even no. without a chance to even coach the team as it's currently constructed, you can get rid of that thought right now. That's just not going to happen. And and not going to happen this year at all. Um and I don't think we're anywhere close enough to that to even have those conversations. This is not to say that your frustration as a Suns fan is unfounded. I think I think it is valid. Um some of the fourth quarter stuff is just so awful. The Suns really have, so the, I think, the third worst net rating in fourth quarter so far this year. It may, it may have improved a little bit after that Washington yeah. game. That was like our they first, won a game our first a fourth good quarter. fourth quarter. Yeah, The Wizards finally remembered they were the Wizards and the Suns had a chance to win. Um, b- but 
I think when I look at a lot of what this team is doing this year and what we expect them to be, why do we expect them to be this good with the players that are currently playing? There's two reasons, I think. Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. And really, those guys need to be better. And I think a lot of that recently in some of the recent play falls on Devin Booker needs to be better because KD tends to do what he does and plays pretty well. Can I think I, there are th- things can, Kevin Durant can still do better, don't get me wrong. Uh, but like this team should not be this bad with these two players playing at what is maybe not for Kevin Durant, but the peak of their powers. KD having one of the best seasons of his career. I know he's not athletically at his peak, but still one of the best seasons of his career scoring-wise. They should be better, and I think those two players can make a big difference in that. Can I can I just say, I want to return to what you're talking about with those two players for sure, because I agree with you. Can I posit the third reason is that James Jones tricked us? <laughs> Did he? Are you saying that the signings weren't as good as we thought they were going to be? I really expected something out of like, I, I, I mean, this is probably my own fault, I guess, right? Kata Bates Diop tricked us. What the hell was he doing in San Antonio last year, <laughs> shooting forty percent from deep? Where, I, where, where is that? I was skeptical. I was skeptical all the way back from pre before preseason. I, I was hoping that it worked out, but I, you know, I. In some respects, I got tricked by Yuta. I think KD had a little bit to do with me getting tricked by Yuta because KD really had a lot of great things Really to vouched say for him. him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I um, think Eubanks tricked us a little bit too. Like I, I think he's been okay overall, but I, I definitely expected more. Um, I, I thought he was going to look like one of the best backup of, centers in the league, and he is not that right now. I think the chances of Eubanks like rebounding, and I don't mean like physically rebounding, I mean like playing better for the rest of the season are higher than Keita Bates-Diop or Yuta Watsunabe at this point um, because I think he's just more capable. He's just having a rough stretch right now. Uh, but Keita Bates-Diop and Yuta Watsunabe, both of them, had outlier shooting years in their last year. And so it was always a little bit of a dice roll to see if they were capable of doing that two years in a row. And with Keita Bates-Diop, a lot of what made him attractive to the Suns I think was that he was hitting those threes because defensively he's always been and we said this in preseason before preseason when he was signed he's always been more of a in theory defensive player than a defensive player in reality he's got the body he looks like he should be able to move it in the right ways he's got the length but it's just not there his lateral uh, quickness is not there an Andrew Wiggins defender, if you will, <laughs> guy has the the body, but not necessarily the. Well, I, that that might yeah. be unfair. Wiggins to him, had actually, one good year. We- <laughs> he does, he yeah. does try. Man, poor Andrew Wiggins, the way he's playing right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, but you know that. Uh, yeah, you're right. And in, in in some respects, we were clearly, a little tricked by those two guys. But we yeah. were a little tricked. But but clearly, to your original point, the bigger deal is the fact that KD and and Book are still struggling and. In some ways, and, you know, especially with the turnovers and the untimely turnovers and just some of the game management from Book in recent games, as much as... Letting the frustration get to him, I think. Letting the frustration get to him, as much as we praise him for his ability to step into the point guard role, as much as he has been awesome in that role and is having career numbers, um, and and I think has been very good... uh, I mean, sometimes it, it, he drives me crazy still. I have to admit it. The The pace is something that we've talked about consistently with him. Uh, they just need to find a way to pick up the pace with him a little bit. There were possessions in the first three quarters of that Washington game yesterday where the Suns are down by 12 or 14 points. Book and KD are both on the floor. You should be looking for early offense, early advantages, and trying to like stomp on them, basically. But yeah. instead, Booker is walking the ball up the floor. By the time he crosses half court, seven seconds have come off the shot clock. He's looking to to post up KD and then see if they can draw two to the ball. Maybe, you know, a, a, a second help defender comes for Washington, bumps KD off his spot momentarily. By the time Devin Booker passes Kevin Durant the ball, this happened multiple possessions yesterday, there's 10 seconds left on the shot clock now. There, there might be nine seconds left on the shot clock. And you haven't run a single action. And it just turns into a one-on-one ISO in the post. Maybe Washington even brings a second defender at the last minute, which means that now KD doesn't have any choice except to shoot over two defenders, or he can make like a, a last-ditch attempt at passing to someone else who then has to jack up a, a three. But they need to find ways, and, and Booker especially needs to find ways to play with better pace than that and to set up early offense for this team because they're just, I, I feel like they're missing opportunities consistently. Right. He's not turning the ball over 
as much as I feared at the beginning of the season. And I, that might right, sound like a right. joke to some people because I know overall this team is still struggling with turnovers. Booker's assist turnover ratio is pretty good. It's pretty damn good for what I expected with him stepping into that role. But he's he's just being a little bit too cautious. And um, they need they need to work more early action, get the ball moving east-west into their offense, get the defense shifting so that they can really yeah. find those open shooters right. and open driving lanes. I do want to give him some credit to Devin Booker in that in the Wizards game, he played really badly, I think, for the first three quarters. Yeah. Picked it up a little bit in the second half in general, but just did not look like himself and came into the fourth quarter. And as much as you could say that game was a disaster because it should have never been close, the difference between how big of a disaster it would have felt like with a loss compared to pulling it out in the fourth quarter, I think is huge. And I think he played really well in that fourth quarter to sort of save it. I think for Suns fans in particular... A loss to the Wizards after the week that they had would have felt like a huge punch in the gut. And uh, you know he he came through and he played well in that game. Kevin, Durant I mean, he as well. he he saved us, or the Suns saved us by making this. I think like I know we're criticizing them a lot because they need to be criticized, but like making this a somewhat listenable episode. I think people will listen to this episode, Mike. Um, <laughs> yeah. Whereas if they had lost to Washington, there was a real fear that I think people were just going to tune out entirely. <laughs> <laughs> like of the season, <laughs> like a lot of right. people might have just quit and it's not even Christmas yet. It's, it's not great. So we got to pick up some momentum. Hey, before we head to break, can we, can we do one more? If, as long as we're criticizing this organization, can we criticize them on one <laughs> more thing? Sure. Sean Marion related. Yes. Sean Marion enters the ring of honor is supposed to have his grand moment, uh, Friday night against the Knicks. And he did. He he! Did you see the speech? He gave a speech. Yeah. Some fans stayed, but it was a including it was Dirk. Good, yeah. <laughs> it was a good speech. He was clearly nervous. It was nice to see. Uh, but the decision, whoever made the decision to relegate Sean Marion's Ring of Honor ceremony to a post-game ceremony that only started like twenty minutes, thirty minutes after the game even ended, the worst loss of the season for the Suns. So that there were maybe a couple thousand fans left in attendance, maybe a thousand fans left in attendance by the time he was actually giving his speech. I have no idea who did that, but it was shameful. I, I, I just that it kind of pissed me off. It rubbed me the wrong way. Sean was very gracious about it. He did not say anything about it. But you put Sean Kingston in the halftime show. They did a Sean Kingston concert at halftime. It's the wrong Sean. And they relegated Sean Marion in his Ring of Honor ceremony to the post game. Sean Kingston has not been relevant since 2007. Sean Marion at least won a ring in 2011. In my opinion, it should be no contest. Just a little bit shameful. Whoever made that decision, I, I, I can't begin to comprehend it. Amari's is not going to be for a few months. I don't know if they're going to do the same thing with him but I really hope they learn from their mistake because Marion deserved better. I agree. Happy to see him in there though. It was a nice ceremony. I think part of the reasons it wasn't at halftime is because it was a ESPN game or TNT. I don't know. It was a nationally televised game. And uh, I think the time schedules are a little more strict on that. If you remember the Steve Nash one went a little too long to keep it during a halftime ceremony. Um, but you know, do it before the game. Then at that point, just, just do it before sure, the game. Just make sure that the fans are actually there in attendance. Yeah. I yeah. mean, the, you knew the risk. Like, I, I get it. No one thought that that was going to be literally our worst loss of the season, but you knew the risk was there. Yeah. You got to think about the worst case scenario in these in, in these event planning things. But it is what it I, is. Again, shout out to Matrix. He was one of my favorite, maybe my favorite player growing up. Even though Nash kind of got me into basketball, weirdly, Marion was the guy I liked. I think I liked watching most night to night as a kid. And uh, I'm glad they finally honored him. Um, at Portland, next game. At Sacramento, the 22nd. And then the dreaded Christmas Day game, which is at home against the Dallas Mavericks. It kind of feels like a little bit like the Suns right now are like an injured deer or something in the in the forest and then we have to play Dallas on Christmas day. It's like, are we going to get finished off that day in the most embarrassing way? But 
this is the last time we're going to record before that i am going out of town so there's going to be no podcast next weekend we will come back a few days after christmas for a reaction to whatever happened during those days um but we i wanted to be able to have a chance to talk about that you know at portland will be good because we get another chance to see them against deandre Ayton, and also nurkic gets to return to a place that he played at for a really long time and hopefully have a good game there sacramento really put it on the suns this last time it'll be nice to see them um get a chance back at them and i hope they play a lot better um but really the big game of course is that christmas day game last game of the evening probably a lot of people watching that one depending on if it's close or not uh but what are your thoughts any thoughts on any of those games uh yeah well again so we're doing playback tomorrow with portland always exciting to play the portland trailblazers for a number of narrative reasons um but skipping ahead to dallas i'm presuming no kyrie irving no time yeah, see, he's for still in a return. boot it seems like yeah yeah so yeah i mean there's going to be no Kyrie. that makes them in theory a little bit easier and and a little bit more even matched they have had a better season than the sun so far but they're a they've, very, been, they've been a better team yeah they're a beatable team though they're a very beatable team i mean i think they took a hard loss to minnesota recently minnesota has also been very good this season but it, it should be a good game this this should be a good game and uh yeah. yes i'm always a little bit extra nervous playing the dallas mavericks now after what transpired two years ago but yeah, yeah it's just it's a trauma response and uh it should it should be fun all right let's take a quick break and when we come back we'll listen to some voicemails uh from everyone that sent us some questions and we'll be right back When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. All right, you know the drill. 480-420-6553. You can call us at any time and leave us a voicemail. We will listen to it on this podcast. As long as it's less than about a minute long, we will listen to it and answer questions, react to comments, whatever you got for us. Um, you ready, Sam? Let's do it. Here we go. Mike the Hitman and Sam the Man, what's going on? Uh, I was just curious as to can the Suns' big three stop LeBron and AD on this tear coming off the in-season tournament win? Like they're going to be dangerous come playoff times. I wanted to know your guys' opinion on it. So you get back and they thanks. Mike the Hitman. I don't think I've ever been called that. And Sam the Man. Uh, how do you how do you like that? Well, Sam the Man's. Uh, I've definitely been called that before, yeah. man. That's just that's just natural. But Mike the Hitman, I I don't know who, what sort of bodies you have in your basement, but yeah, do, they, do you guys have basements in Phoenix? No, the ground's too hard. Yeah, see, <laughs> that's I, literally what they say. I don't know if that's true. East that Coast things, I forget. Say. So if if you were a Hitman, where would you keep your bodies at West? Theoretically? It would have to be the attic, I guess. Like an attic? Okay. <laughs> well, I haven't seen your attic, but I'll. I guess I'll look next time. Um. What do we think of the Lakers, man? I am not afraid of the Lakers. I'm a little bit more afraid of the other team in Los Angeles at the moment. I'm, I'm not going to lie. This yeah. is going to sound like maybe some familiar analysis for people who have known me for a while. You've heard it from me before. Yeah, Sam yeah, Clippers, yeah, as they say. I'm more, my Clippers, I'm more scared of the Clippers than I am of the Lakers. I'm more worried about that Lakers whistle in a playoff setting than anything else. What about you? Um... I think that is a tough matchup for the Suns, uh, size-wise. I just think they present problems because LeBron is so huge, and they are able, and because he essentially plays point guard, they can essentially play two bigger guys next to him. Thanks to Anthony Davis playing 
center, Anthony Davis can't play power forward anymore because he can't hit a shot to save his life. But they, but they are they're successful this season. They're playing well as a team, and I don't think they're a team that should be taken lightly. I think they're definitely going to be capable. And you bring up a good point. It's you know, regardless of if you uh, believe that it's entirely conspiracy related or not, they get to the line a lot. And if they're going to get to the line a lot, that's going to present some problems for the Suns. It's been a multi-season phenomenon with them where not only do they get to the line a lot, but they also foul less than other teams. Now, if you want to say that's just them being good defenders and they're just smarter than everyone else, I don't know. I'm sure some people would have that take. Um, But, you know, there might be something else in there and it helps contribute to that consistent strongly positive free throw differential that they have over over um, other teams. Now, I will say, whether it's the Lakers or the Clippers, either team in L.A., the thing that both of them have in common, other than that they're both pretty good, they've both had really good injury luck so far, knock on wood for both of them. Like, Kawhi has played every game. LeBron, I think, has either played every game or maybe he's missed one game. I think he's Anthony Davis. Yeah. Anthony Davis has missed one game. Paul George has missed one game. These are two teams that have been plagued for the past few seasons um, by really poor slates of health and good for them. You know, they, they've they been able to actually open up with some consistency and some continuity uh, for their seasons, but obviously they needed to persist if either one wants to make a deep playoff run. Is the Nuggets still the team you're the most afraid of? Oh, no, no doubt. It's it's still not a competition. There, there are increasingly more teams in that tier that I am afraid of, <laughs> though, yeah. like for us to challenge that I wasn't before, but, but no doubt the nuggets are on the top. I, I, I have a hard time believing that anyone could top them either. Who was second, who was second in the West before the season began? Um, well, I had us, like, I thought we were going to be the second best team in the West. I should say so, who was the second scariest besides the nuggets? Yeah, man. I don't, I don't even know that there was one. It's always the theoretical it wasn't, Clippers team is scary, I guess. And now yeah, the happening. theoretical, I may have said the theoretical healthy Clippers, but it wasn't Dallas. Uh, I definitely didn't expect Minnesota to be this good. I did say, I will give my credit, uh, myself credit for saying I thought OKC could be a top four seed in yeah. the regular season this year. I didn't see them uh, being like a huge playoff, like Western Conference Finals contender. We'll see. Who knows? Um, not afraid of the Kings. It was probably always healthy Clippers or like Warriors even. I probably would have given the Warriors a lot of benefit of the doubt. That's fair. All right, let's listen to another one. Hey, Mike and Sam, this is Stephen Freeman. I had a quick question for you guys. I was thinking about watching uh, Giannis's 60.30-plus free-throw uh, effort the other night. <laughs> if the NBA let players call their own fouls, who do you oh, think no. would lead the league in free-throw attempts? All right, thanks. If the NBA, great question, Stephen. Thank you so much. If the NBA let players call their own fouls, Luka Doncic would break Wilt's record every single night. <laughs> LeBron too, and Booker yeah, would be up there pretty high, I think, as well. Yeah, it's fair. It would be unwatchable to watch that. <laughs> it would just be free. Th- that games would be completely destroying the product. Yeah. May, uh, maybe not, though, right? Maybe there would be enough sort of pressure to not be the guy that's constantly calling every foul once they sort of settle into whatever rhythm it's going to be. Um, but, yeah, I, I imagine that that would be... They should just do it for... They should do it for the All-Star game. <laughs> if they, Adam Silver, we just... During playback, Adam Silver was at the uh, Indiana game, and he mentioned after the success of the... Play in tournament first, and then the success. I'll put that in quotes. I think you can call it a success at this point of the in season tournament. Yeah, relative. They, yeah, that they have the license to do more, including with the All Star game, and this could be one of the things that they could try. Let players call their own fouls and just let them sort of embarrass themselves <laughs> in the All Star game and see you how. You know that what goes. the people? I'm just saying. Everyone said it for years, decades now. You know what the people want that the players would never entertain in an all-star weekend scenario. And that is a one-on-one tournament, a one-on-one tournament where you could finally take out all the team bullshit, all the actual variables that matter in basketball and just pit your favorite players against each other. And the narratives would just be coursing through everyone's veins. And you would have all these rabid fans tweeting about it on social media and seeing who cooked who. It'd be amazing. it It would be amazing. 
player rivalries so would be born out of that. Yeah. It would do crazy ratings, way better than any slam dunk contest has ever done. But I think too many players would be afraid of losing. It would be crazy, though. It'd be fascinating. <laughs> it would really be fascinating. Um, excellent uh, question, Stephen. I would love to hear what other Suns fans think as far as who would average the most points. I don't know. Giannis, Giannis gets the call. Giannis, Giannis would. Yeah, he does. That's so it doesn't feel like he has to complain as much as other guys because he gets the calls. Um, funny week from Giannis, by the way. We haven't talked about that on the main feed podcast, but a real funny week for Giannis. Here we go. Hello, guys. This is Greg from France. Hope you guys are well. Let's get right to the question. The Suns obviously have a problem when shooting from our precious three-point line this season. Most of our role players tend to not make these shots as well, yet most of them are open shots. And that means the Sugar might have other solutions like attacking the closeout or take a mid-range or get even to the rim to grab some fouls. Since this is a persistent problem so far in the season from guys like Watanabe, Okogi, KBD, for instance, and quite everybody, actually, uh, we also now have confidence problem overall in the team while deploying the few systems that might be efficient out there. So my question is for you guys to pick your poison. Do you still want these guys to take the threes and not be efficient or have bad percentages? Or would you rather like them to attack the closeouts and take open midis and get to the rim and find back the rhythm and confidence we might need right now? Thanks, guys. Can't wait to hear the next pod and see you online. Cheers. My guy, Greg, thank you for uh, what I think is our second ever international voicemail that we've received. Yeah, I think we had one from Australia. We had one from Australia, now one from France. Uh, Greg is in our Discord. He is a common contributor also officially a business owner out there in paris i believe so shout out to you you're killing it also has um, a, a podcast if you do speak french um, yes he does a, a son's podcast son's podcast i Correct. forget the name in, of the podcast do you remember it i'm sorry uh it might be valley Oop. it's it's probably the only french son's podcast so if you're looking for it's, one you can yeah find i it. think I think it is. I think it is value. You answer his question while I actually search for that to verify. Okay, so the question essentially is uh, the Suns are creating open threes and the role players are not making them. Should they continue to take them or should they find different things to do in those scenarios like attacking or shooting mid-range shots, taking a step in from the three-point line and taking a slightly easier shot? And I think that question is dependent on the player. If you're Yuta Watanabe, you have to shoot threes. You have to shoot threes. Now, that's the only you, reason you're in the league. <laughs> if you continue to get minutes, you're shooting threes, right? That's that's all you got to do. If you're Josh Okoge, you might have to find different things to do. In the scenario where the shot clock is winding down, you shoot every time, right? Because that's all you have time to do. Uh, but if you have time on the clock and you're Josh Okoge, if you can get free throws, that's great. I do think sometimes the concept of you should just turn down the three and get free throws is oversimplified. I've even heard Zach Lowe say this, you know, you should be just getting free throws. You should just get free throws. That's not easy. And if you play just to get free throws, that's how you end up in the playoffs, not getting calls over and over and over again. And that's you fail like players who play for fouls fail consistently in the playoffs. So you have to find ways to do that properly. Uh, Akogi, I've mentioned it before. Dribble handoffs is great. If you can find ways to be a screener like Jordan Goodwin, that's great because you're going to have the uh, defense is going to play up on screens because there's a good offensive player going around the screen um, in those cases. And, you know, other ways to do it, even with Josh Akogi, they experimented by giving him the ball more. And then the defense comes up to him on the ball and then the, the offense will start with him uh, passing to someone else. And the defense is already in rotation at that point. So finding other ways to do it is smart, depending on the player. Katie Bates the up is tough. Because, he's, he's a tough one. He's the toughest of the three. I was thinking yeah, too. It's tough because, you know, if the three-point shooting was real last year, you got to test that. You got to see if it is. Um, but if it's not, it's you're going to be in a pretty deep hole by the time you find out for sure that it's not real. And Regardless that, that of what the tough. coaches are telling him, he needs to be incentivized to continue taking those shots because KBD is, what is he, 26 years old or something? He's not that old. Yeah. He's on a minimum contract. He need, he's fighting to extend his NBA career right now. 
He needs yeah. to play some minutes for the rest of the season. He can't afford to just sit out the rest of the year on the bench. And that means when he's in the game, I do think he needs to take those shots. Whereas definitely a Kogi is the best example of the three you mentioned. 12, 13, 14 seconds left on the shot clock. Look to look to get something better. By the way, um, Greg's podcast is called Value for anyone who Excellent. speaks French. Um, there is a, a podcast available to you. It's a really good question. Um, you know, and and I, I do think maybe the right I think maybe the right call for most guys would be continue to take them unless you're Josh Akogi and try something else if you're Josh Akogi. Like Jordan, to, to use another example that Greg didn't mention, Jordan Goodwin, another guy who, you know, his three point percentage is floundering. You would say he probably needs to continue to take if them. If he's wide open, break. he's gotta continue to take them. Yeah. Just keep trying. Um, you know, eventually you're going to hit some or they're going to get out there and close out and then you can get the ball in rotation after that. Um, anything else on that, Sam? Um, uh, nope. I think that's about it. All right. One more here. Hey, Mike and Sam, uh, got a quick question for you guys. Um, do you guys feel that the player options that the Suns gave Kata Bate, Diop, Drew Eubanks, Udawananabe, are now more of a negative asset than a positive asset um, because now it kind of hinders their roster construction for what they want to trade them or about what they want to do in the summer. Um, love the pod, guys. Thanks. Good question. So the question is, uh, do we feel that the player options for, and he gave three players, um, Eubanks, Yuda, and KBD, I believe, was the other one. Maybe not. Yep. Um, yeah, yeah. Those yeah. are the three. About Does that hinder the Suns' ability to make trades or roster construction even next summer because the players have the option to accept that or not? Um, it is a good question. I, I do think if you're making a trade and somebody is interested in trading for a player like Eubanks or Yuda, I would say that that player option is probably a benefit in that trade, meaning that they're interested in that player. They might want to have the option to retain them in, for more than one year or at least give the player that option. Um, next year, that could be hard. Like if Yuda is an absolute negative throughout the year and then he has the option to return next year, that does make it a little bit harder. They are minimum contracts, though, meaning if these guys are like, I want to go to a new team, it's probably not going to be hard for them to get another minimum contract next year for the same yeah. amount of money or potentially more money, depending on uh, if it goes up. Yeah, ultimately, because they're minimum contracts, it's not a super big deal to me. I think it's a good question, though, for sure. And you, I don't really think they were <clears throat> ever viewed as trade assets, right? So to respond to half of the question, I don't think we there was ever going to be much of a situation where we traded Keita Bates-Diop or Yuta Watanabe yeah, on December right. 15th this year, which, by the way, December 15th has come and gone, so these guys are now trade eligible. Um, but I, I just don't think that was ever really on the table. The idea was that they were going to finish out the season. And if we were going to trade anyone this year, it was going to be someone like Nazir Little, who we've talked about a bunch, who they acquired in a trade and has uh, a little bit more of a hefty contract, uh, or someone who doesn't have one of those options, like Bol Bol. Uh, I'm not sure if Chemezi Metu has an option. I imagine he doesn't, but I'd have to double check that. Yeah. Um, but... Is it a bit of a problem if Keita Bates, Diop, and Yuta Watanabe both just give us nothing this season and then both accept their player options? I mean, it's not ideal. You know, you would hope that they could be then the 14th and 15th guys on next year's roster, essentially, because, yeah, yeah, if they just if they just don't do anything this year, then that does kind of make them negative assets. Yeah, they're not. Yeah, they're not terrible guys to to play in that role, assuming the team is healthy. I also, I'm still hoping, I still think at least, like, what are the odds that none of these guys get it together by the end of the season? I'm thinking one of them is going to start shooting well, and that will just, and maybe get some minutes playing with Bradley Beal, and that will solve everything for us. I'm yeah. clinging on to that hope. Yeah, I think we'll I think that's true. And I think, like I said earlier in the podcast, I think Eubanks has a pretty good chance of playing better throughout the season. I think he just had a rough stretch there for a few weeks, and and as he gets more used to these guys playing together or even Bradley Beal coming back. Cause a player like him who likes to finish lobs, who likes to play pick and rolls will benefit from more guards who can make, you know, good passes. I think, uh, he, he'd be like, imagine if he was playing with Chris Paul, Eubanks yeah. would be awesome. You know, like, he, I mean, he, he kind of needs a guy like that. Any of these guys with Chris Paul, man. And, and, you know, not to bring up, 
rub salt in old wounds, but like <laughs> as we play as we play Portland tomorrow, we're gearing up to play them and DeAndre Ayton's coming to town again. And it's like we were just talking about on our playback a couple hours ago, like we really expected a season from Ayton where even if I didn't expect him to be very efficient, which I didn't, I thought he was going to get his 18 or 20 points per game that he's kind of always been vying for. And then he goes to a situation where he doesn't play with Chris Paul anymore. And lo and behold, he's averaging 12 points per game Yeah, as he comes into to Phoenix tonight or, or tomorrow when, whenever you're listening to this. Uh, it's all of these guys would be boosted by playing with Chris Paul. He's just that good. Yep, I agree. Uh, thank you, everyone, for those questions. 480-420-6553. Give us a call anytime. We'll be back after Christmas. So I hope everyone listening has a good holiday season. We'll be back a few days after Christmas probably to talk about that Christmas Day game. Join us for playback against the Portland Trailblazers. We'll be doing that on Tuesday night if you listen to this after that. We will be back with a Patreon episode Wednesday, so you can check that out if you're a subscriber or subscribe at patreon.com slash the timeline. And as always, you can always check out our merch at ethicalhoops.com. We appreciate you all and we hope you have a great holiday season. We'll be back after that. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.